The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel. That all I warned you about, I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Two videos at the top of the page. Real quickly, the one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. You want to watch that, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern today at which time you can um, catch him live. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, load up whatever device you got there. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner, and click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. Good morning to all the people who are in Rumble. We've got a lot of friends over there this morning. Good to see you guys. And um, while you're there, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, I guess some of you have subscribed, and you get unsubscribed by Rumble. I'm not surprised by that. And, And we keep telling them the problem. And I don't know if it's getting fixed or not. So be sure to subscribe. (laughs) Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel over there. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there. And at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, right up under where we're streaming live, you can sign up for our email newsletter. That gets you all of the articles we put out for the day at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You'll get all those, including the morning show archive. So anything that we talk about, whether it's scripture, whether it's documents, whether it's videos, any of that stuff, you'll get that. By the way, I want to make mention of this. I've, I've been meaning to make mention of it, and I, I, it just slips in my mind. So um, <clears throat> I want to make mention of it. Uh, we told you that we're on Missouri Liberty Radio, and our friend over there has has graciously put us on, and we're we're grateful for that. Reach that audience there, and also our friend Jeff Herzog. Uh, he is on Radio America USA. Uh, he also carries us over there on his website. And so, Jeff, we appreciate that very much that you you do carry us. So I want to give a shout out to Jeff as well and uh, just say thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> let me I was pulling something up here right before the music came on, getting all my ducks in a row, so to speak. And uh, I, did you guys did you guys hear about uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagner Hagler? Yeah. He, he died. And not only that, 
it's amazing to me how these people won't take time to really cover this. The the genocide that's going on through the COVID shots is the story. This is the story of this of the century, if you ask me. Well, actually, actually, there's other stories that we could go to, Federal Reserve and stuff like that. We're I think we're probably well, we're just outside the century on that. But this is the story of at least the decade. Okay. And the Mockingbird media doesn't really want to touch it. Here's Fox News reporting on Marvin Hagler's death. And notice how they just kind of right at the end throw in the issue. Oh, he was fighting for his life because of the shot. Take a listen to this. And I hope I have the volume up here. Marvin Hagler has died. Marvelous Marvin Hagler was the undisputed middleweight champion for seven years with 52 knockouts. Hagler's wife as he passed away unexpectedly at their New Hampshire home. The cause of death was not given. But earlier in the day, a fellow former boxer wrote on Instagram saying Hagler was, quote, in the ICU fighting the after effects of the vaccine. Mm. He was 66 years old. Mm. But, but, but Fox may, at least makes mention of it. That's a good thing. Uh, but my goodness, you're not going to spend any time going, oh, and here to talk about that for the next 30 minutes or an hour is this person who has researched it. And this isn't just happening with Marvin. This is what's going on with all these athletes. You Look, you can take it to the bank. That's exactly what it is. Uh, these athletes, these young people having myocarditis, these heart attacks, all these other kinds of things. And by the way, it isn't just that. I mean, there are more than 400 adverse effects of this stuff. And people are still taking it. I think I caught just a little bit of what Bradley was talking about yesterday. And he had, a, 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 it was either a nurse or a doctor having her third shot. She was so proud of it. She took a picture of it, put it up on social media. And now she's dead. She was like 36 years old. She's dead. And I don't, I don't know if you notice it, but when I open up, you know, for a little while, there was like a reprieve, if you will, of people who weren't dying in the media. And one of the issues that we we came up with was the fact that th- that this was going on and people weren't calling it out. They they weren't saying what was actually happening. And then we had all those stories of all these celebrities whether they're on YouTube or TikTok or in the movies or in the music world or whatever, they were dying. And then we had a little reprieve from that. Now we've got it again. And man, it's every day I'm just seeing several people who would be in that celebrity class. And some of them aren't in that class who are dying. And the things that they're dying from, whether it's a cancer, whether it's most of them are these things that have come on them in the past couple of years, which are things that we warned about with the shot, even the cancers. They've been called turbo cancers because they're moving far more rapidly than cancers of the past. All of that's, that is the, that is the, that, that is a big story. And yet, what do we get here in Marvin Hagler's story? Oh, well, one of the boxers said he was fighting over the effects of the vaccine. He was. How old he is. Is there a disconnect here? Or is this a cover-up? I think it's a cover-up. All right. We got a caller on the line, and I'm going to take that caller. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Tim. This is Jeff from Radio America, USA. 
I'd like to give some more input about Marvelous Marvin Hagler, since I've been a boxing fan most of my life, and my younger brother was an amateur. He got the spar of Larry Holmes in the 1980s. Okay. Um, Tommy Hearns announced on Twitter, I believe, uh, at that time that he had taken, Marvin had taken the shot, and Tommy's been canceled since. You're talking uh-huh. a guy who I believe was the greatest middleweight than Sugar Ray Robinson, not even champions before him. Hugo Coro, Rodrigo Valdez, the old Duck Tagler, not even the legendary Carlos Monzon. Would it get, uh, he retired instead of giving Hagler a shot. This guy was great. Wow. Well, I'm glad they at least gave time to say that this is what he was fighting for, even if it was two seconds, but uh, at least they put it out there. Yeah. Yep. Anything else? Nope, I just wanted to give any put on, you know, um, there's still, you know, canceling people to this day about it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're canceled on a lot of platforms, and we were told if we went back on Vimeo that uh, they wouldn't give us our money back if we started talking about the shots and stuff. By the way, I was canceled off of my Twitch account, which had maybe all of one follower over there. Uh, I was canceled on that, apparently, for the shots and, and uh, uh, some of the stuff that we were talking about as well. So. It's, it happens. Well, I mean, there ain't nothing I can do about it. Yeah. I don't know what to do about well, it. Well, as long as I, you know, get enough uh, support for Radio America USA and Philly and Jersey Radio, you, are, you and Bradley will have a show on my website. We appreciate that, Jeff. All right, brother. Catch you later. Have a good show. Okay, you too. All right, there goes Jeff. And uh, appreciate the call, Jeff. Thank you so much. And there he goes. All right. So if you want to call in, you can. If you please stick to the topic. We're, we're not going to be talking about that today. I just wanted to bring that up because that was something that came up at the end of my day yesterday. So uh, with that said, we are going to be talking about when needed most, The group is e- this group is eerily silent. And the number, if you want to call in, you want to contribute something or you have a question or something like that, we'll do our best to answer. 803-619-9855, 803-619-9855. And um, if, you want to, if you want to call in, just stick to the topic. All right. So I, I kind of drew from that. Uh, this title from something I read from Alex Newman yesterday. Uh, I got to meet Alex for the first time out at Red Peel a couple of months ago, back at back in August. And uh, Alex and I have done a couple of radio shows together. Uh, we've carried his uh, contributions at SonsOfLibertyMedia dot com, and I just I think he's a I think he's a good guy. I think he's on the right track in the things that he has to say. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And so I got this article from him. He wrote it back in August, I think. And I came across it and we, we put it out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Here's what he said. Here's what the title of it is. American churches are eerily silent when the country needs them most. That's true. That's true. And I want to tell you why I think the majority of them are silent. Not all of them, but the majority of them are silent about sin, about the tyranny of government, in all its aspects. They're silent about what's going on even in their own churches. If you go back to an interview that I did with um, G. Edward Griffin, the first one I did with him was on the issue of communism. And one of the things he said was they, the Marxists have not only planned to infiltrate government, they plan to infiltrate the church, the pulpits of America. Why? Because if they can water down the message of the gospel, 
if they can remove the law, if they can remove the commands of God, then they can have a free reign there. And that's exactly what they've done. How many preachers do you know that only preach out of the New Testament? Despite the fact that Paul tells us all Scripture, and when he was alive, though he was writing some Scripture, it was the Old Testament that he was speaking of. And the Bible's clear. If you don't reference the Law and the Prophets, there's no light in you, period. You don't have any light. How many of you know preachers who won't preach the Old Testament? They leave it off. Now I'm going to tell you the New Testament is superior because it's the new it's presenting the new covenant. I'm not saying it's not superior in that in that manner. It is. Christ is greater than all the things in the Old Testament, but yet the Old Testament is still valid for use for instruction, for reproof, for correction, still useful for all that and they won't do it. Why? I think they've been infiltrated. Why do we have the watering down of sin? Sin is transgression of the law. If you don't make reference to the law, you can't make reference to sin. And if you can't make reference to sin, you can't make reference to a Savior from sin. Okay? Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Yep, and all the scriptures, you're right. Jesus is the light, Obbs. He is the light. And that law gives reference to him. Luke chapter 28, excuse me, 24, verse 44, he talks about all of those things speak about me. Mm. The light of the Old Testament is shining on the Christ. It was shining on him and bringing a shadow to the people at that time so that they saw what it was that was being spoken about. And then when the light came, that reality was there. All the old covenant ways were done away with, but the law still remains. The law still remains to condemn men so that they might be driven towards Christ. And that's what Paul references in Galatians 4. And that's why he preached the law and then he preached the gospel. It's why he said, if you continue on in your adultery, your fornication, your thefts, your murderers, your backbiting, all this other stuff, he says, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're a lawbreaker who's not been reconciled back unto God through his Christ, King Jesus. All right? So I'm going to read you just a couple of passages here. And then what I want to do is I want to go through, well, if the church is silent, what is she supposed to be about? What is the church supposed to be about? Is it about getting together and having a big building where we all go into and we have interpretive dance and we have uh, funny stories? That, and I'm not saying you can't use anecdotal stories to communicate truths. I'm not saying that. But where, where you're just to be entertained, is it there where you go and you, you just sit back and you, you drink it in that, that you're being entertained? You have singings. Look, our church has singings. We get together and sing psalms and hymns together. We don't have somebody sing them to us. We sing them to God and, in, eff in effect, to each other, to exhort one another and exalt, exalt the Lord Jesus in our midst. But I want to read you just a portion of this, and then you can read the whole thing for yourself at sonslibertymedia.com. This is what, how Alex began his, his article here. 
Again, it's titled, American Churches Are Eerily Silent When the Country Needs Them Most. I had a relatively marginal Christian upbringing as a child and really didn't become interested in questions of a metaphysical nature until later in life. My relationship to organized religion has always been to meet it with skepticism, and that's a healthy thing to do. I appreciate the fundamental moral messages and the aspirations to care for your fellow man, but I often wonder if a theocratic system would just end up becoming another form of tyranny. What depends on the hearts of men? Yeah. And the hearts of men have to be changed. They have to be turned. There's no question about that. And even when they're turned, they're prone to sin. It's just the nature of man. There are so many elements of organized religion that can be exploited by evil people who want to use it for their own ends. Exactly. And they do. They do it. Collectivism is collectivism, is it not? I don't think I became truly immersed in the concept of a creatively engineered universe until I started studying quantum physics and Jungian psychology. Excuse me. But then I realized there was far too much synchronicity in the world, far too much evidence that there is some kind of design, some kind of plan to life. I might not understand what the plan is, but I can see the mathematical and psychological fingerprints of, one, one, of what one might call God or the lawgiver, the creator. It's the reason I can never take atheism seriously. Yeah, because you can't. <laughs> you can't take them serious. There is no atheist. They know it. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Romans 1. The claim of atheism has long been that the philosophy has nothing to do with faith and everything to do with evidence. Yet every time I see an atheist confronted with evidence of creative design, they dismiss it blindly. Think Richard Dawkins. This kind of ignorance has always been more horrifying to me than anything else. The notion of scientific cultism and tyranny hiding behind false claims of logic and rationalism. I'm explaining my position on this issue to drive home the fact that I do not hold any affiliation to any particular church or religious group. I will defend Christianity when I feel it deserves to be defended, and I will criticize Christianity when I feel certain groups or church leaders have gone astray. I don't think that's necessarily a a, criti a criticizing of Christianity is a criticizing of those individuals. But I get what he's saying. For example, anyone who reads my work knows I have outlined evidence that the Pope is an utter fraud and a globalist puppet. Amen. There are wolves in sheep's clothing within every belief system. That's exactly right. So when I say I hear a deafening silence among Christian churches when it comes to the political and social climate today, this is coming from someone who is not quick to call for theocratic intervention. Even I find the lack of faith disturbing. But maybe I need to qualify my concerns a little more. How about the sudden rise of Unitarian and progressive groups? Now, that, that's, that's a sudden rise now, but that was going on back at the, uh, during the War for Independence and following. In fact, that's why a lot of the northeastern states have become apostate. They were Unitarian. In fact, you can go there now, and most of the quote-unquote churches are nothing more than Unitarian. How do you know this, Tim? Go up there and, and check it out. One of the elders at the church that I was at actually took his family. They went up to Maine. My boys, my boys and, and girls, the older ones, went up there with them. Uh, to help a church that was trying to plant there and do some work in the community and such and, and talk to people. And he said, you know, people are, are great for the most part, but they're Unitarian. 
This is what they are. And this is why they're apostate. They've been apostate for years. And so this is what this is what he's talking about here. He continues on, how about the sudden rise of Unitarian and progressive groups making a mockery of churches and co-opting Christian ceremonies to include woke propaganda, LGBT Marxism. By the way, for those of you continuing to support and worship Donald Trump, I think somebody in the chat, I caught it just a little bit yesterday, was talking about some QAnon sense stuff that was going on yesterday with Donald Trump. I wish I had the link so I could play that. But they were basically calling Donald Trump a god. Yeah, you, 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 some of you people thought I was crazy when I called the people worshipers. But if you can never find anything you disagree with in somebody else, you're probably worshiping that person, more than likely. That's, that's what I found out over my short stint in as being a Christian. There are people who worship John Calvin. I think he had some good things. I think he had some bad things. There are people who worship Martin Luther. There are people who worship Billy Graham. There are people who worship John MacArthur. All this. They do. They literally do. They can find nothing. Despite the fact that there are things wrong in what they say, they will defend it to their end. And then you get in the political spectrum, and it's just ridiculous. If you thought the worship of Barack Hussein Obama, Satoris Sabarka was bad, Look at some in the MAGA crowd. I'm just saying, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying there is a lot of it. There is a lot of it going on. And he's exactly right in pointing this out. He says, maybe I need to qualify my concerns a little more. How about the sudden rise of Unitarian? Okay, we, we got that. I, I lost my place of where I was reading. LGBT Marxism in the church, moral relativism. Where is the organized response from Christians on this development? These are not isolated incidences or incidents. The woke cult is creating their own religion by hijacking the religion of others. Isn't that interesting? See, man may say, I'm not going to worship the true God. He's still going to worship. He's going to worship his intellect, his body, somebody else, something else, or some system of belief that he constructs himself. He's going to be a worshiper. Man is made that way by God. He, he's done that. He says, not because they want to find inner peace, but because they see the church as a center of power and they want a piece of that action. That is exactly right. How many of you guys have seen the, the videos of some of the sodomites who say, we've been oppressed. When we get power, we're going to be the oppressor. How many of you have seen those videos? I'll have to go back and try to dig those up. It's been a long time. So, and I thought, wow, yeah, you're, you're really not for equality at all. I, I should have had, that thought just hit me now. I should have had the, the section of the, of the movie that I've recommended before. And I, I highly recommend it. Don't show it to your kids. It's got a lot of language, okay? But the story that's there is based on a true story. It's called To End All Wars. Uh, the screenwriter is a friend of mine, Brian Godawa. You can find his site, G-O-D-A-W-A.com. Uh, he's, a, he's a screenwriter. He's an author and such. And one of the scenes from that movie is it's about a World War I uh, prisoner camp in Japan. And you can see over there, they worship the emperor. 
That's who they worship. Their allegiance, their honor, their doings, everything is toward the, the emperor. And guess what? If they don't please the emperor, what, what is that they, they commit? Harikari, they stab themselves in the intestines and cut themselves till they die because they've dishonored their god, the emperor. What a foolish thing to do. But during that, that movie, during the story that's going on there, and again, it's based off a true story, you even see the, the two guys, the main characters, the Japanese guy and the, uh, I, he's, I don't think he's American. I think he is Irish, but I could be wrong about that. It's been a while since I've seen it. You see them at the end. They come into this prison camp and they've got a guy there who has basically set up sort of a university to teach the prisoners. He's wanting to get their mind off the fact that they've been in prison and he wants to empower them. So he starts teaching courses on philosophy. Uh, he's got one on the Bible. He's got one on mathematics and geography and all this other stuff he's teaching. And they come to this one place, this very telling. And if I'm not mistaken, he has the sign up that says, I think he, it says justice. I could be wrong about that, but I think it says justice. He's put it up in the little hut that they're teaching in. It's a little hut. Then he's got like, I don't know, 15 or 20 guys in there. And he asked them a question. He said, if the tables were turned right now and you were in the position of the Japanese and the Japanese were in your position, what would you do? And the guy says, I would do to them what they did, what they're doing to us. I'd kill them, I'd, you know, all this stuff. And he asked them, what makes you any better than them then? I thought that was a great question. What makes you any better than them? Is that your form of justice? See, the Bible's form of justice is a standard that doesn't change with the whims of men. It says, this is right, this is wrong. When you violate this, this is what the consequences are. It's pretty simple. But what man does is he wants to be in the position of authority so he can lord it over people. In fact, you find even in the church, Paul tells those who are in authority not to lord that authority over the people. Why? Because they're a part of the body. Doesn't mean that they don't have certain authorities. But they're not to lord it over the people. They're not to be tyrants with it. If you're in a church where the pastor is a tyrant, you need to get out of the church. Resist it. You know, tyranny comes in all kinds of forms. And, and Alex is exactly right to point this out. So we ask this, and then we're going to get on to some scripture to look at some of these things. Why isn't there a mass call for Christian churches to reject the woke invasion? Why isn't there a, co a consortium of Christian leaders moving to denounce these fake churches, making sure that the public knows that they do not associate with these groups? Where's the call to action? If it exists, I'm not seeing it anywhere, neither am I, Alex. And let's be clear, if there ever was a time for a Christian community to gain a wider membership, it would be now, as the world enters a state of perpetual chaos, yet their response is muted and scattered, and I'm going to tell you it's by design. And he gives this, and I'm gonna, we're going to go over to Scripture here. Consider for a moment the proliferation in the Western world of ideals, which I can only describe as Luciferian in nature. The notion that pride and narcissism are virtues. See, I, this, is, this is one of the things you've got to look for when you speak. And I catch it on my tongue every so often. The Lord will point out something different. 
How many of you say, I'm proud of my children? I'm proud of this guy. I'm proud of you. I, you need to cut that out of your... God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You need to cut that out. That's not from the Lord. Change it. Give glory to God with it. I am thankful to God for my children and how they do this, that, or the other. Or I'm thankful for them in general. I'm thankful for this person who has taught me this, that, and the other. I'm thankful to God for whatever. Instead of pride, put thankfulness, gratefulness in there. That's a part of repentance. It's a changing of the mind. That's what repentance really means. And that changing of the mind produces changes in action. Yeah, I know some people don't like to talk about works, but that comes from the Spirit of God, not from us. If you don't have works that follow, James says your faith is dead. Okay? If your life is not changed, if your thinking is not changed, if your language is not changed, if your works are not being changed, then you might want to question whether or not the Spirit of God is in you. Because He does that. He does it. You don't do it. He does it. Alex continues, the notion that pride and narcissism are virtues, that human beings are meant to be gods, the notion that children's bodies are a gender-fluid laboratory for insane medical practitioners that deny the unassailable laws of biology and engage in mass sterilization, the notion that humanity must one day be replaced with machine thinking that disregards reason and moral compass for the sake of cold and sociopathic efficiency. And of course, he's got the, the video here of Yuval Noah Harari. Good friends with uh, Russell Brand, by the way, that we played yesterday, the other day. So keep, think, keep that in mind of what Alex has written. Now, let's go to the scriptures for the affirmation of what the church is supposed to be. Because that's where the standard is. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ, Paul says. We're to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. That's why God saved us. So that we might glorify Him in that. So let's begin in Matthew 28. What is the church to do? I mean, this is literally within two months of the work of Christ, the finishing of his ministry as Messiah on the earth, the completion of that. In Matthew 28, most of you know this, but let's just go over it for those who don't. Matthew 28, and beginning at verse, let's just go back up here just a little bit. To verse 16. And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they what what did what what, what does that say about Jesus? They worshiped him. They worshiped him. It's interesting to me that people say, Well, Jesus isn't God. Well, what are they doing worshiping him? And why isn't he saying, Cut that out like the angels do? Because he is God. Only God is to be worshipped. Okay? But some doubted. It throws that in as well. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to the devil in heaven and on earth. Is that what he says? Nope. He says, All power is given unto me, not just in heaven, but in earth as well. In heaven and in earth. Who has all power? Who has all power? Jesus does. He said it. If you disagree with that, Take it up with Jesus, okay? 
And he's, as a result of him having all power in heaven and on earth, what does he say? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And again, I go, where did, what was the things that he commanded? He pointed right back to the Old Testament. All the things commanded were already given in the Old Testament. He wasn't giving anything new. He was reaffirming the word that had already been given. Why? Because he was the one who gave it. And lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world or the end of the age. That's really how it should be interpreted, the end of the age. Amen. So, look at what the church is to be. And specifically, disciples were, were given this. Okay, so this is this these commands here are specific to the disciples. Do we have application for that? Yes, we do. We do the same thing. We teach the nations. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. We teach them to do that. That applies in civil government. That applies in the home. That applies to the individual. That applies to the church. To do what the Lord, teach the things the Lord Jesus commanded. It's also why, I'm just going to throw this in, not going to get into it, but it's also why some of us actually believe that our children are our disciples. And we therefore baptize them. Because baptism doesn't save them any more than circumcision saved the, the guys in the Old Covenant. It's just a sign of the covenant that they're in. That's it. Okay? So, we teach the nations, including those in our own home. Baptize them, teach them to observe what Christ has commanded. It's pretty simple. Now, just a few days later, the disciples would gather in the upper room, and Jesus said, you wait till you're clothed with power from on high. Remember, he promised them that when he went away and it was necessary for him to go away to the Father, that the Father would send the Spirit. And the Spirit would not only be with them, he would be in them. In them. So with that said, Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost. They've all been given the Spirit of God, he comes on them in the room that they're waiting on. They go out and they begin to preach and speak of the glory of God and the wonderful works of God. And the Bible says that the people all hear them in their own tongues or their own languages. See, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't buy any of these people who get on and go, Hala sabada, untie my yellow bow tie, who stole Mahana stuff. I don't, I don't buy those people because I don't see any of that going on in Scripture. When somebody uses the gift of tongues, they are speaking another language that they don't know. That's what's going on. They're not engaged in gibberish. And Paul shoots that down in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12. I believe that's where he does that. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he uses the term glossolalia, if I recall my studies correctly. He uses gibber. These people are gibbering. They're not making any sense. And he says, if you do that and somebody coming among you, they're going to think you're crazy. But if it's the Spirit of God, there's somebody there to interpret it. And sometimes that might be somebody who comes in 
and they hear you talking in their language and they go, how are you talking in my language? How do you know this language? So they do this. He gives a message to the Jews who were there at the time. Remember, they're coming from all over the Roman Empire. So they have all kinds of different languages. Many of them are Hellenistic. They're in that Greek culture, and so they've taken up Greek. Some of them are other languages that they come in. And here's what he says. Here's what it comes down. He finishes his message with verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I mean, they were broken. How could we have put together? How could we have called for the death of the Christ? How could we have done that? Interesting. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy, Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, catch this, and to your children. This is why you will see households baptized in the New Testament. Lydia, the Philippian jailer, others, when they believed, they brought them to the house and they baptized their whole family. And to all that are afar off, it's not just for you Jews who are around here, who are gathered here for, for pa- uh, Pentecost. It's for all who are afar off. Who are those? Those are the Gentiles. Everybody outside the covenant nation of Israel. It's for them too. Even as many, listen to this, as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, you don't just come when, when you want to. You come when God calls. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received the, his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I'd love to see that start happening in America today. Real genuine repentance, real conversion of people to Christ. Oh, we'd see a real change overnight, wouldn't we? This is what I'm talking about, our offensive weapons. And people are scared. They're scared when they go out somewhere to talk with somebody about the gospel, to share a track with them. You know, when we go out some places, we use those uh, pink and blues to track people and to talk with them. And if they'll open up a conversation, we'll share that with them right there in the open, in the restaurant or in the place we're at or whatever the case may be. When people ask, you, got, you guys do this everywhere you go? Yeah. You take the opportunity to do that. Why? You're planting the seeds, hoping that God, somebody's, God's going to send somebody to water them, or maybe you're the waterer, who knows? But in the end, God is the one who brings the, the increase. Imagine in the space of a year what 3,000 people a day converted to Christ, how that would change the face of our country. Just just consider that for a minute. And then, what did they do? What did the church do? Here's what they did. Verse 42, they continued, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's their teaching. Doctrine is not a four-letter word. It is a good thing if it's sound, if it's biblical. 
and fellowship. They need the fellowship. You know, I noticed that many of you uh, who've listened to the show, you've been in the chat and things of this nature, one of the things you've talked about is you appreciated the fellowship of like-minded people in the chat. For the most part. Yeah, sure, we've got some disagreements and things. That, that's part of why we need one another is to hammer out the disagreements, isn't it? To sharpen each other, it, to correct each other. Why? Because we love one another. Isn't that what it's supposed to be about? It's what it's supposed to be about. But our fellowship is to be more than a chat. It's to be in each other's lives. This is why even this show, your television preacher or whatever you listen to, is not a substitute for the church. It's not a substitute for that. You need to be in the lives of people around you. They need to be in your life. I had a young man I was, I was helping with some things, and, and he had a lot of problems. Living in a tent out in the woods. And I said, dude, are, are, are you in a fellowship anywhere? You got some elders that you can be accountable to? Do you got some you know, people that you, you have fellowship with? No, I don't have that. And, you know, I, they, they just don't, uh, uh, they don't believe everything I believe. Okay, well, did he believe most of what you believe? Yeah, but, well, then go and be with those people. You're not going to find people who believe every little thing that you believe. That's just not going to happen. It really isn't. I know some people think it's going to happen, but, it, but it's not. There will always be little things that people don't believe that you believe. But the point is that you're to be in the unity of the faith in the bonds of peace, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians. And so you need that. Well, you wouldn't listen, and eventually they arrested him for child porn on his computer. Yep, DHS and the sheriffs got involved in that. I didn't even know that was going on. But they arrested him for that, and he went to jail. These guys continued in the apostles' doctrine fellowship. In the breaking of bread, they would have love feasts along with the Lord's table. They would have that in the midst of their love feasts and in prayers. And the Bible says this, listen to this, and fear came upon every soul. Not this fear of man, but this familiar fear of God. Kind of like we have we have a love for our fathers, if they were good fathers. We have a love for them, but we fear them. We fear doing what displeases them, okay? Because there's consequences of, of doing that. You guys, if you raised in the South, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys up North, too. And then it says, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. This doesn't mean they were communists. It means what they did was, notice the next verse, whatever they had was held with an open hand to be used for their brethren. And they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. They were just living their lives for the glory of God. They were engaging themselves in the apostles' doctrine. They were praying. They were loving one another. It was a very simple life that they lived. 
and God was blessing it, and he was bringing other people into it. They didn't have to have a program for children and a program for divorced people and a program for women and a program for men and a program for, uh, you know, infants. And they didn't have to have all that stuff. They just engaged in the doctrine, fellowship, prayer, breaking the bread. And they learned how to love one another without the force of government telling them, you have to sell your stuff and give it to us so that we can take care of the poor, which they don't do either. Government never takes care of the poor. The government keeps the poor poor. That's what they do. And by the way, the poor is always going to be with us. Jesus said that. You always have the poor with you. So let's look at a couple of the passages of what the church is to be. 1 Peter chapter 2, here's what we read. But ye are of a chosen generation. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. These are some of these words you're going to see. They're directed at the church, the New Testament ecclesia. Okay. And I want you to notice that these words, if you know your Bible, these words are words that were used to communicate things about Old Testament Israel. Now, I'm not one. I've been falsely accused of saying the church replaces Israel. No, the church is Israel, and Israel is the church. There is no distinction here. And if you don't believe me, go to Acts chapter 7. Stephen says as much. The church existed in the wilderness. Who's he talking about? Israel. The church is the ecclesia, the assembly, the people of God. That's what it is. It's existed all the time. It's just now it's filled with a whole bunch of Gentiles, whereas before it's filled with a little bit of Gentiles and a whole lot of what they called themselves Jews. I mean, they came up with that name later on. But that's what it is. It's the same thing. It's the same people of God. He said, you're a chosen generation. Chosen. Isn't that what Israel was? They were chosen out of the nations. I, you know, I listened to a guy. He's in the patriot movement. Well, sort of. I, I guess that's what you call it. I don't know. I think he buys into the QAnon sense stuff. He's pretty popular. Makes a lot, a lot of money from what I understand. Seems like a nice guy. I mean, my little interaction with him. And I listened to one of his things, and he goes, well, you know, I don't, I don't need a book to tell me all this stuff, because, you know, they've taken out this and that. It's, it's all this skepticism and stuff. And it's, it's absolutely crazy when I listen to what's going on there, because it's, it's actually an undermining of the word, the way the guy was presenting it. But here's what he says, Peter. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Where was the priesthood? Well, that was in the Aaronic line, the Levites, right? Now he's saying the church is that. Why? Because now they have access to the Father through the high priest. They have access to the Father through the high priest, the only high priest, the only intercessor that we have. Mary's not an intercessor for my Roman Catholic friends. She's not an intercessor. None of the saints are intercessors for you to God. Only Jesus Christ. Mary didn't die for your sins. Neither did the saints. Mary didn't offer her blood to the Father for you. Neither did the saints. Jesus did. And the Father spoke from heaven and he said, Listen to my Son in whom I am well pleased. If you're looking for anybody else in between you and God other than Jesus Christ, you 
are engaged in false religion. Period. You're engaged in a false religious system. Okay? He goes on here and he says, you're a holy nation. Hmm, wasn't that what was said about Israel? Yes, it was. They were a holy nation. They were separated unto God. They were sanctified out of the nations of the world. A peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. Ooh, this reminds me of Hosea. Tell them that those who were my people are now not my people, and those who weren't my people are now my people. But you are now the people of God. You weren't a people, now you're the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then he tells them something. He doesn't leave them with that so they have good feelings about it. He tells them this. Listen carefully. Dearly beloved, because listen, if you're bragging about how sinful you are and how gracious God is to you in your sin, I'm talking about your open sin. I'm not talking about things that you're dealing with inside. But you want to boast in those sins? Listen to what he says, because he gets even to the inside too. He says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak unto you as evildoers, they may be, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Hmm. Abstain from fleshly lusts. What is a lust? It's a desire. That happens on the inside. That's where Paul says, I kept all the, the law, but it was the covetous one. Where does that, where, how does that manifest? What manifests itself in stealing? Adultery, murdering, because probably you're murdering somebody because you you want something of theirs. Sometimes it happens just you're angry with them without a cause. Jesus says that's the beginning of murder. He says abstain from those things. Another portion of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 kind of builds off of that. Remember, Paul has said that Jesus has broken down the wall of separation between the Jew and the Gentile, and now they're made one new man. They're not to be separated. Let me me tell you, as you go on in the New Testament, what you find out is that Paul starts to, or Peter starts to refer to the the people outside the church as Gentiles. Paul refers to true Jews are ones circumcised of the heart, not of the flesh. And he even says, not all who are Israel are Israel. What is he saying? Some people are part of the covenant body, but they're not part of the promises. Because they're not part of the elect. It's pretty simple. It really is pretty simple. But notice what he says here. He tells them that Christ has made them one new man in the New Testament church. And here's what he says, verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, you're no more outsiders, far away, those who are far off, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fit framed together, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We're, part, we're not, if you're a lone ranger Christian, you've missed what, what Christianity is about. You are fitted together with other living stones in the house of God. That's what he's saying. You're part of the temple. But you're not a stone unto yourself. You're a stone with other stones. This is why there is one body, but many parts. And so this is what he's talking about. Then in Ephesians chapter 3, he goes on to point out, uh, boy, I lost my place there as to where I was going. He speaks about the, the Gentiles. That's where I was. Verse 6, Ephesians chapter 3. Let me go back up here. Let's just start at the top because I just missed this part. By the way, we're going to carry over a little bit because I got a lot of stuff and I just want to get this out. So if you want to catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page there. Before it's news.com, top of the page there. Or rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. If you want to finish that up, we're going to close out the show here in just a little bit. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner, and he's just picking up from what we just read, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Remember, he's writing to the people at Ephesus. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. It was a mystery to them. We're going to see that in just a little bit, even to the angels. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. That's what he just got through talking about in Ephesians 2. This is why it doesn't make any sense to me. This whole modern-day Israel building the temple. I'm going to have something out uh, today about this red heifer nonsense that they're doing. I mean, it's an abomination to the Lord. It really is. And the partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints. That's how Paul saw himself as very humble. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places not the dark places, might be known by the church and manifold wisdom of God. We're going to hit on that in just a little bit. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can catch us for the rest of this. Hope to see you on the other side, and we'll see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early, Lord willing. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from the radio. And I know I keep saying Red State Talk Radio at the first. Uh, the, it's just ingrained in my head, even though I know we have a couple of other uh, guys who are picking us up as well. And again, we appreciate you guys doing it. So let me go right back into where we were, Ephesians chapter 3. And here's what he says. He says, verse 10, I want to get this because I'm going to jump over to another place. To the intent that now into the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church and manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hmm. It's interesting. Do you know that angels want to find out 
what's going on in this whole thing of redemption? Yeah, they want to understand what's going on too, because God didn't provide redemption for angels. When angels turned and they rebelled against God, he didn't send an angel to die for them. Didn't do that. He didn't do anything, that at least that we're told, and maybe he's got a secret thing or whatever, But and the secret things are the Lord's, the Bible says, but as far as we know, their judgment is, is sealed the moment they rebelled. But for men, he provided redemption. He provided salvation. And angels are really interested in this thing. Check this out. Verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels are looking into this gospel. They're looking into the work of Christ. They're looking into what he does for his people. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Again, the church is supposed to be bringing this message. Alex is exactly right. Why has the church not stepped up and been a voice? I think we're going to look at a few things here in just a little bit, and we'll understand why that is. But for now, we're focused on what is the church? What are they to be doing? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He talks about, for when, when they say, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, hmm, ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Why? Jesus already told you, one is coming. You're not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep at night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. That's why, you know, when they called Peter out, when we were reading in Acts chapter 2, when they called him out, they said, these are filled with new wine. They're just drunk. And he goes, man, it's like nine in the morning. We don't get drunk. People don't get drunk in the morning. If you got drunk in the daytime, and you're out in public, people would think you're a degenerate. And they might think you're a degenerate if you're drinking at night, if you're, if you're drunk at night. But he, he says, we're not doing that. This is what's prophesied by Joel. But here, Paul says, we're not like these people. We're children of the day. We're children of the light. And by the way, this is happening in the Patriot Movement. Oh, they'll, they'll sprinkle little Bible verses here and there. But they'll talk about the light. We're the light, and that's the darkness, the Luciferians. You know, they use the same kind of language. But they won't put Jesus at the head. They won't make him king. And they won't submit to his word. 
They'll sprinkle it with Bible verses. Lips are close, hearts are far. That's what they're doing. Jesus speaks about this kind of light. Why? It's because it's the same thing we read the other day when we talked about Lucifer, the light bearer out of Isaiah. It's a false light. If Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, Paul says, know his ministers also do the same thing. They disguise themselves as angels of light too, messengers of light. This is why right now it's very pertinent that you know what the scriptures say, because there's a lot of people claiming that they're of the light, especially in the QAnon sense movement. I'm just telling you, there may be some genuine people in there too, but there's a lot of them who profess light and they're full of darkness. And Jesus addresses that. Listen to this. Matthew chapter six, this is what he says. Verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? Interesting. Very interesting. We also have, and this might be the reason why the church is in the state it's in. In fact, I'm, I'm almost certain of it. If you want to diagnose when the church is sick and when it's not doing what it's supposed to do, when it's hurt, here's what we see. This is from Revelation chapter 2. This is the church at Ephesus, the one we just got finished reading about. Uh, couple of passages ago. And, I, and here's the great thing about Jesus. Look, Jesus is not unfair. He is a just judge. And so what you see in each of these letters to the churches, you always see that Jesus looks for what they're doing good and right. That's what he looks for first, and he commends them for that. And then he calls and corrects them. And if they don't have anything good to say about them, he just issues the correction. So just to give you a flavor, we're just going to read this first one, then we're going to touch on a couple of passages here. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus, this is the messenger, the, the overseer there at the church of Ephesus, right? These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. These are good things. These are good qualities of the church at Ephesus. And thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, hast labored and hast not fainted. Those are all the good things that he found with the church at Ephesus. Then he says, Nevertheless, despite all these good things, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Thus left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick. It's going to remove their place of influence out of Ephesus. My understanding is they still don't have 
a really influential church in Ephesus now because they didn't repent. I'll remove the candlestick out of that place except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So he commends them on that as well. And then he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of the life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, there, there's, there's times where, look, doctrine is good. We should have right doctrine. We should have sound doctrine. The scriptures are replete with that. In fact, that's what teachers are supposed to do. They're supposed to teach sound doctrine. You go to Titus 2. We read that the other day. Older men are to teach younger men. Older women are to teach younger women the things that pertain to sound doctrine. Doctrine's good. But if that's all you're stuck on and you never learn how to love your fellow man out of that, then you need to repent. And these guys had all of the trappings of the good doctrine, the labor that they were involved in, their patience, their ability to be discerning, but they were missing something. They forgot to really love God and love their fellow man. They, had, they, they lost that. And he says, you need to return and do the first works. You've lost your first love. Later on in this chapter, he also points this out. Verse 19, this to the church of Thyatira. I know thy works in charity, that's love, and service and faith, and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, excuse me, searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto the, every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye already, which ye have already, hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And notice he says, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. He's not waiting to receive that. He's already got it. I'll give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Interesting. Very interesting. Then in the next chapter, he also has this. This is to the church at Sardis. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. They're close to death, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. 
Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And he talks about a few that have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And then again, he closes with, if you got an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying, repent. Repent. There are things that we're to do, things that we're not to do, things that we should be evaluating to see whether or not we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And this is what the Word of God does. It comes and it points out what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, which we need repentance of. And we need to ask God to grant us that repentance because we don't have it within ourselves. Let's just be honest. We don't have it within ourselves. It is a gift of God to repent is a gift of God. It comes along with the whole package. Along with faith, the grace that God gives us, all of that is a gift from God. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read this. Verse 58, Therefore, my my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. What's the therefore for? Because he just told us Christ has conquered death for us. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered hell. He set us free. We're no longer in bondage to sin. We're no longer under the threats of death and the fear of death. He has freed us from that. Therefore, be steadfast, be unmovable, abound in the work of the Lord knowing that despite the fact, look, I know some people who get so discouraged because they never see conversions. They they toil and they labor. They minister to people and they don't see conversions. Your labor is not in vain, brother or sister. It's not in vain. Uh, there were many like you before. Isaiah was one. He was told when he, get, when he went to preach to the people that God was going to close their eyes and stop their ears. Moses was told before he stepped foot back in Egypt that God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. How'd you like to, how'd you like to know that? Actually, I think that's very comforting. Because you know what to expect. And yet you're doing what God said to do. Noah. Noah preached for 125 years. 120. He preached to people and not a convert in the bunch throughout the world. Not one convert. Any of you who know the story of Adoniram Judson and his wife who went to Burma? Most modern-day missionaries would never make it back in the day. And number one is they don't have right doctrine and they don't have a gospel that saves for the most part. Adoniram Judson and his wife went to Burma to be missionaries. Do you know how long it was before they had their first convert? Their very first convert. Seven years of labor there before they had their first convert. Amazing story. And today, I'm told by their posterity, 
those that hold the same doctrines that they held. I was told at a church planning conference by these same people years ago that if you plan a church or if you go to do mission work and it isn't self-sustaining in two to three years, you need to give that up because God's not in it. I'm going to tell you what, that is a lie. That's a lie. Lay hands on you. That's a lie. And then there are other men who go about and they have very fruitful ministries from all aspects of what you can see. Look at the Apostle Paul all over Asia, establishing churches, seeing God do his work through him. All of this kind of stuff that he's doing that. One last one. And I hope this is a means of exhortation to you guys who are listening. Sometimes the church needs correction. It does. Sometimes it needs a good tongue lashing to bring it back in. Just like a father does for a son who's done something really wicked and he's going to correct him. Okay? Sometimes that's needed. And sometimes it's a mixture of both, and sometimes it's a means of exhortation. I hope this has been a little bit of both so that you can see why the church is in the state it's in. But we don't want to stay that way. It's not good enough to point the finger and say, well, it's this way because of this, this, and this, and you got this. We've got to repent. And we need to cry out to God that he'll grant us that repentance. This comes from Romans chapter 12. Listen to what Paul has to write here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, what does a sacrifice do? Well, a sacrifice gets slaughtered, doesn't it? (laughs) It dies. God's not saying go out and kill yourself. That's not what he says. Although a living sacrifice, stop and think about that. Paul says it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, right? Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross, your instrument of death, and follow me. This is what he's talking about. You're to be a living sacrifice. You're to put yourself to death every day. You're to put the deeds of the flesh to death. You're to mortify them in your body. And you're to live unto the one who saved you. Because why? It's your reasonable service. Anybody can figure this out. If you know, How many of you guys have seen films or you've read books or whatever the case may be, and they're telling the story about some guy who comes out of nowhere and he saves, this, saves some guy's life. And for the rest of the story, this guy whose life's been saved, he, he just makes himself an indentured service, uh, servant to this guy who saved him. That's what we are to Christ. We're his slaves. I know some people don't like that term. It's a biblical term. Oh, it's servant to him. It's servant. Whatever. It's you're a slave unto Christ. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. That's what Jesus said. That's our reasonable service for the one who has given his life in order that we might be reconciled back to God. That's our reasonable service. That just makes sense. Nobody would look at somebody funny if, uh, you know, my friend Mr. Wordsworth came and, and saved my life, and I wanted to do all I could to tell how he saved my life with to people, and every time I'm in his presence or something, I want to do something for him. I want to cook him a meal, or I want to have him over at my house, or I want to take him somewhere. Why? Because he saved my life. Nobody would look at that as weird. 
they would see that as, I totally understand that. Then why are Christians different toward Christ, the one who gave his life? He didn't just save us and pull us out of something. He gave his life to do it. Why is that strange? It shouldn't be. If it's strange to you, you might want to see whether or not you know Christ. And be not conformed to this world. That's a command. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want to know what the will of God is for you, stick to the scriptures. Return to that first love. Fall in love with the scriptures again and the God of the scriptures. And let him direct your desires, your thoughts. You know, the Bible talks about him giving us the desires of our heart. Not wicked ones, not those that are conformed to the world, not sinful desires, not fleshly lusts, as we read about, but those that are akin to the things the Scripture teaches us. And then this is the part where we get down for everyone listening. Not that that doesn't, but that's specific to the people of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, he's not talking about every man who lives has faith, because they don't. Faith is a gift from God. He's speaking to the people of God here. Okay, And then he says this, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. If you're listening to me, and you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a child of God, and I'm talking about a real child of God, I'm not talking about in the sense that he has created all of us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have been reconciled back into God through Jesus Christ. You're the same body I am. I'm of the same body that you are. I need you and you need me. And we have gifts that are to be used for the glory of God. We're in a dark time here in the United States. We are. Let's be honest about it. We're not a great nation. We're a great wicked nation right now. And the reality is, what happens when you go into a dark room and you flip that switch on the side of the wall, what happens? The darkness dissipates. It goes away. There's no place for it because the light comes on. And this is what Jesus, this is what John was writing in John chapter one, when he says the light came, but they were in darkness and they didn't want to come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. What are you? Professed Christian, what are you? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Are you hiding that light under a bushel? Are you bringing it out and letting it shine, shine, shine? What are you doing? Because if you're putting it under the bushel, you're disobeying the one that you call Lord. And there needs to be repentance throughout our land among the people 
who call themselves gods. Because when you call yourselves gods, or when you call yourself gods, and I'm talking about with the apostrophe S, God's people, when you call yourself that and you don't behave as though you're God's children, you're dishonoring him, you're violating the third commandment very quickly, taking his name in vain. More so than somebody who says GD, because God's not really his name. Yahweh is his name. But you're taking it on and you're doing that. You're need of repentance. If God would grant us repentance as his people, if he would do that, we would see the light shine forth in our land like we haven't seen it before. And we would see God do something amazing, miraculous in the midst of the darkness to scatter the darkness, to remove it. But again, he uses means in doing that. He uses means in doing that. And that's you and me. So let's ask the Father that he might grant us exactly what he's commanded of us. That we might be that peculiar people, that royal priesthood of what he said, that it shines forth so that people see it. And in the midst of that, they glorify our Father in heaven. Guys, I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope it's been edifying. And I hope that if you aren't one of the people of God, I hope the Lord uses it as a seed or watering, whatever the case may be, to make you one of his. I, that, I, that's really the desire I have for that. Uh, Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, Sons of Liberty Media, Sons of Liberty Media.com. And uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. bright and early.